0: E-commerce friends, welcome back to the E-commerce Badassery podcast. I'm your host Jessica totillo Coster. Today we're getting nitty gritty with some important numbers to help you figure out how your e-commerce business is performing and where you might need to dig in and optimize your online store. Plus, I'll give you some tips on what you should focus on if you find one or more of these numbers is off. There's also a freebie this week, so don't worry about taking notes. Head to ecommercebadassery.com forward slash 19 to grab yours. And if you're already on the podcast newsletter, that list is in your inbox. So let's get started with some website stats. You've probably heard me mention this before, but the average conversion rate of an e-commerce website is actually only one to three percent. Now, that's not to say there aren't sites that are converting higher than that, because there definitely are. But if you're below 1% conversion, then it's time for you to dig in. If you're between that 1% to 3%, you're doing all right. And for sure, there are things that you could do for incremental improvement, but I don't want you to think that you'd have a crappy website if you're only in that 1% to 3% range. Conversion optimization is a whole discipline on its own. So, I'm just going to touch on a few things you can start looking at to figure out where you might be missing the mark if you are below those numbers. The first thing I want you to do is actually shop your own website. Very often, we forget to experience the website as our customers do. And when you go through that process, you will probably find some wonky things on your website that you didn't even realize were there. So make sure you go through the whole process. Search for a specific product, navigate through your collections, add products to your cart, and complete a full order, like actually go through the payment process and everything. The next step is to drill down and look at your conversion rate Per your traffic channel. So, you're going to want to look at the conversion rate of organic traffic versus paid email and social traffic. It's likely that you will see one or two channels that convert significantly lower than the others. Once you see that, then you can focus on the experience you're giving the people from those specific channels. And make sure whatever you're doing to attract people on those channels from there to your website that you're actually attracting the right people because it's possible you just have the wrong traffic and they shouldn't be there in the first place because you're not selling something that they want. The next one is your cart abandonment. The average car abandonment rate is 68%. And I'm sure that many of you have looked at your abandonment rate and thought, damn, that's super high. But unless you're inching up over like 73%, I honestly wouldn't worry about it too much. Now, of course, you don't want to ignore it completely, but do know that it's pretty typical. Make sure you have your car abandonment flow in place and you can even play with an exit intent pop-up for new visitors, maybe people who haven't shopped with you before, if you want to try and snag their email in exchange for a discount. If your cart abandonment is way above 68 to 73%, if you're pushing 80%, 90%, then please make sure you go through the entire shopping process go through the checkout process, there might be something broken there. It's possible that your site is super slow. Maybe it's just hard to navigate on mobile because everything's like too small. And people are not going to take the extra effort to figure it out. They're just going to leave. And if it looks janky or like untrustworthy, they're not going to put their credit card information in there. Now, before they can even get to the point of where they make an order and before they get to that step, they need to actually add things to their cart. And the average here is 13%. A quick note about this metric If you're only looking at the Shopify data or your e-commerce platform, your ad to cart rate is likely going to look much lower. I don't know how all of the platforms do this, but Shopify counts it by everyone that visits your website. Whereas in Google Analytics, it's basing that percentage off of the people who actually show shopping behavior on your website. So they looked at a collection or a product, which is often only about 50% of the people who visit your site at all. If you're not already using Google Analytics, listen to episode 17 of the podcast where I walk you through all the Google tools and I go a bit deeper into why you should be using GA. Plus there's some resources in those show notes and in the freebie to get you started on Google Analytics. If you find that people are not adding items to their cart, then you want to focus on your product pages. How are your product photos? Are they really as good as you think? Can the customer really tell what that item looks like? How does it fit if it's clothing? Is the add to cart button above the fold? So is it immediately visible when they land on the page? And what about your product descriptions? Are you selling the product to them? Do they have all the information they need to make a purchasing decision? A quick reminder here is that people buy with emotion and justify with logic. So when you're writing product descriptions, make sure you're selling them the dream or the solution that you're providing with your product. Next up is bounce rate. And the benchmark here is 34%. If you don't already know what bounce rate means, it's the percentage of people who land on your website and then leave before visiting any other pages. Having a high bounce rate isn't always a bad thing. So for instance, for a blog website, it's possible the customer got all the information they needed on that page and left completely satisfied. As an e-commerce website, though, you really don't want to be any higher than 34-ish percent. And if you're higher than that, you really want to start isolating the pages on your site that have the highest bounce rate so you know where you need to focus. For instance, if you have a blog on your site, it's possible that's where a lot of people are bouncing from, and so that is going to drive up your overall bounce rate. If that's the case and you determine that it's the blog that's driving that number up, Then you want to figure out what can you do to encourage them to stay longer? How can you make those pages more sticky? You want to get them to click other links and visit other pages. So one thing is, if you're not already doing this, you should, is to feature your products in the blog post with very obvious links for them to click. Even better if you can put a button in there. You can also feature related articles on the page and link to other blog posts from within the blog post they're reading. So within the text, you want to kind of talk about a topic and link to another blog post you have that goes deeper on that specific topic. This is called internal linking, and it helps Google understand your website better and is overall good for SEO. If it's your homepage, on the other hand, that everyone is bouncing from, that's a whole different story. It's very possible that your website loads really slow and people just don't want to wait, or it could mean you're attracting the wrong traffic to your site and it's not what they expected when they got there. Lastly, it could also be that you just have a shitty homepage. If it looks janky or untrustworthy or it's confusing and you have language on there that they don't understand and they're not really sure how to navigate, people are just going to leave. You have mere seconds to get their attention and keep them. If you suspect that it could be the wrong traffic because you have a beautiful homepage and it loads very fast and that's sort of like, you know, the last possible option, go back to looking at your traffic sources, like I mentioned in the conversion piece, and see which traffic source has the highest bounce rate. Because again, it could be that on those channels, you are attracting the wrong people. There are two other metrics time on page and number of pages viewed. The benchmarks here are three minutes and 35 seconds and 5.9 pages respectively. But this can vary widely based on your business. So my recommendation here is to look at these last, right? Like they're the least important to you. Keep a running tally of the results on a weekly basis and just look for anomalies. After a few weeks of tracking, you'll see the pattern and your averages, and just make sure you don't see any random jumps in either direction. If you do, it's possible something was broken on your website, maybe Shopify went down, like something happened to cause that. If it's just a one-off here or there, don't worry about it too much If you see it's consistently like you have all of these problems, you might have some tech issues or there's something on your site that's confusing your customer. Speaking of the reporting piece, if you're not already tracking all your metrics on a weekly basis, go listen to Episode 7 of the podcast. The title is Why You Can't Pay Yourself. But even if you are paying yourself from your business, go listen to it anyway because it goes into the weekly reporting you should be doing and there's a download for the template that I use to track my metrics on a weekly basis. The last metric for your website is customer return rate, which should be about 25 to 30%. This is going to depend on your business. For instance, if you're a subscription business, your return customer rate is going to be much higher than that. But if you're significantly higher and you're not a subscription business, it might mean that you need more new customers. And if you're significantly lower than that number, then you have some work to do on your customer retention. So check out episode 12 if you need a deep dive into acquiring new customers. And then episode 15 does a deep dive into customer retention. I didn't expect to reference so many other episodes of the podcast, but as I was preparing this content, they just naturally fit in and not going to lie, it feels pretty cool that I actually like have this bank of podcast episodes I can link back to. Anywho, so just nerding out on my podcast journey there. So that's all your site metrics. Let's talk about my favorite thing: email marketing. Email has its own set of benchmarks, and you want to be looking at these because they are the numbers that the email service providers, so Gmail, Yahoo, Hotmail, etc., are looking at when they're deciding. If they do or do not want to deliver your email, because just because you send it doesn't mean they're going to deliver it. Deliverability is a huge part of email marketing and you can quickly kill your reputation and end up in the junk box. So let's make sure that doesn't happen. The first thing is your open rate. You want to always be aiming for a 20% open rate. If you're averaging 17 18%, that's fine, right? Once you get down to like 12% or in single digits on a regular basis you are in trouble. If you have a one-off email that like bombs, don't stress about it. But if you're consistently every week sending emails that are getting a super low open rate, that is not good for your sending reputation. While you can certainly make small improvements by testing subject lines and send times and things like that, the biggest culprit here to a super low open rate is sending to unengaged subscribers, because honestly, email churn is a thing. You're going to lose subscribers. They're not going to be interested in your business. They're not going to need your product anymore. Like it just happens. So you have to clean your list regularly. And if this is happening to you, the first step you want to take is to start to only send to people who have opened or clicked an email in the last 90 to 180 days. You're going to want to adjust this a little bit based on how often you currently send emails and just the overall engagement of your list. I would say start with the 90-day engaged list and then you can slowly increase the length of time. So you send to a 90-day engaged list and then you send to 120 day engage list, for instance. As you increase the number of days, your open rate is going to go down. It just is. So do that incrementally. And when you see your open rate get super low again, then go back to the shorter increment, right? So if you do 120 days and you have a 19% open rate, and then you go to 180 days, and you have a much lower open rate, stick with that 120. So the next benchmark is your click rate. So note, you will likely see two different click metrics in your email account. You're gonna see click through, which is based on just the people who actually opened your email, and then click rate, which is based on your total sends. So the metric I'm talking about is click rate, and you want that to be above 4%. Remember, the numbers I'm giving you are what the email service providers want to see, not necessarily the averages of actual numbers. So if you're in the 2 to 3% click rate range, you're doing pretty good. Once you get below one and a half percent, you'll want to start taking some action there. So if you have a shitty click rate, what can you do about it? First thing, make sure you're sending to engaged people like I just talked about, because it's based on everyone you send it to. But also make sure you have clear calls to action in the email, and that you're limiting the calls to action to only one, maybe two if it warrants it. If you have too many options in front of your subscribers, they're going to get overwhelmed and do nothing. The one time this may be different is if you send a monthly newsletter, as there may be a lot of different things you're going to cover and talk about, and that's okay, as long as your people are engaged. Another thing you want to consider is, is this email relevant to the audience that you sent it to? It's possible that you entice them with a great subject line, but the content wasn't what they expected or it just didn't entice them to click. And like I mentioned, because the metric is based on the total number of people you sent it to, if you're sending it to unengaged people who don't open your email at all, they can't click it either. So once you start sending to that most engaged audience, your click rate will naturally go up as well. Email also has a metric called bounce rate, but it means something different than the website metric. And that's emails that bounced back as non-existent. It was not deliverable. You'll want to be under 0.5, so half a percent here. Yeah, some people do get rid of old emails, but usually this is just due to typos. If you're only getting emails through pop-up forms where the customer is typing them in themselves, you should be pretty good to go for the most part. But if you have an in-person element to your business, whether that's a brick and mortar where a cashier is typing the email address, or you do events and markets where customers are writing it on a piece of paper, for example... This is where you're going to see the most errors. So just make sure you're double checking with the customer if you can't read their handwriting or make sure your employees are double checking their work or spelling the email back out to the customer before they save it. Especially if it's the customer's name, right? There are different ways to spell the same name. And it's not like the email service providers can figure out like, oh, you actually meant Sarah with an H. Like, we need to confirm this stuff with our customers. So next up is the spam rate. And this is the rate at which people mark your emails as spam, not just that it lands in the spam box. That's not counted. You don't know. This is the customer actually reporting you as spam. And you want that to be under 0.08%. If your spam rate is higher than this, it could be because you're sending to people who haven't actually opted into your email list at all or you might just be sending them too many emails. You'll want to pay really close attention to this because your spam rate is like the highest weighted metric, and this will quickly get you into the junk box. If you're using Klaviyo, they have a really cool feature called smart sending. So this prevents the system from sending an email to someone who has received any other email from you within a specific window of time. The default is 16 hours, but you can change this. So when you're sending email campaigns or broadcasts, right, those one-off emails, you pretty much always want to use smart sending for this unless it's a super time-sensitive promotion during Black Friday weekend, for example, because this will prevent you from annoying your subscribers. Last but not least... Let's talk about conversion rate. So this is going to vary based on the type of email you're sending and the industry you're in. I'm going to run through a few conversion rate metrics for automated emails, but grab this week's freebie. The link is in the show notes so you can compare your results to that of your specific industry. So the conversion rate for a welcome series averages 3.04%. For Abandoned Cart, it averages 2.86%. A Win Back Campaign, that averages at 0.86%. And then Browse Abandonment averages at 1% conversion. If you find that your numbers aren't quite hitting these numbers or the averages for your specific industry, go back to the previous numbers we talked about, like your open rate and click rate, to see if you can pin down where you might be missing the mark. Sometimes it can be as simple as updating your copy to make it sound more personal. Other times you might have to test subject lines or send times. Just do what you can to be better than you were yesterday. Don't get super caught up in just trying to hit every last benchmark and you get like total tunnel vision on what you're doing. Make small tweaks here and there Test a couple of things and just continue to improve it. And remember that when you're testing, you really should only test one variable at a time. Otherwise, you're not going to know what moved the needle for you. That's all I've got for you today. Thank you so much for hanging out. I hope that this was helpful. I hope it doesn't freak you out. This is not to stress you out. This is to help you and support you so that you know where to focus in your business. If you have questions about this, you know where to find me. Come on over to the Ecommerce Badastery Facebook group. And until next time, my friends, I will see you on the flip side.